Thanks for downloading this podcast from City Church Leeds. You join us as we're journeying through the book of John. We hope that it blesses, encourages and inspires you. Can you turn with me to uh, John 5? And I'm going to read from verse 1 to 16. Just to say again, there was a few of you that came in while, while we were singing there. My name is Mark Kelly. I'm one of the senior leaders here at City Church Leeds. And it's really good to have you with us this morning. So John 5, verse 1 to 16. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. So it may seem a bit different if, if you've got the NIV or the, the New Living or anything like that. Just simply because uh, I, I love the Amplified just because it adds more to it. It gives you more of a rounded picture. And let's just read and you, you'll see where I'm going with this. Later on, there was a Jewish festival, a feast, for which Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem a pool near the Sheep Gate. This pool in the Hebrew is called Beth Esther, or in some translations it might, might say Bethsaida. Uh, having five porches, alcoves, colonnades and doorways. In these lay a great number of sick folk, some blind, some crippled, some paralyzed, shriveled up, waiting for the bubbling up of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at appointed seasons into the pool, and moved and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in, was cured of whatever disease with which he was afflicted. There was a certain man there who suffered a deep-seated and lingering disorder for 38 years. And when Jesus noticed him lying there, helpless, knowing he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you want to become well? Are you really earnest about getting well? bit of a clue there about where we're going to go this morning. The invalid answered, Sir, I have nobody when the water is moving to put me into the pool. But while I'm trying to come into it myself, somebody steps down ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your your bed, your sleeping pad, and walk. Instantly the man became well and recovered his strength, picked up his bed and walked. But that happened on the Sabbath. So the Jews kept saying to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and you've no right to pick up your bed. It is not lawful. And he answered them, The man who healed me gave me back my strength. He himself said to me, Pick up your bed and walk. And they asked him, Who is the man who told you, Pick up your bed and walk? Now the invalid who had been healed did not know it was, uh, who it was, for Jesus had quietly gone away, had passed on unnoticed, since there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, when Jesus found him in the temple, he said to him, See, you were well. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. And for this reason, the Jews began to persecute, annoy, torment Jesus, and sought to kill him, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Now, for the keen-eyed amongst you, your translation may not have had verse 4. Who didn't have verse 4 in your translation? one here, just yours. What translation are you reading from? The Niv. The New International Version, the Niv. So did everybody else have that, verse 4 in theirs? Was it bracketed or or, or in italics or something like that? Maybe? What's that? Verse 4, not in yours. Yeah, and that's quite right because I need to explain verse 4 as 
as we have discovered more ancient manuscripts and, and we, we've, we've been able to go further back in time with, to the original translation, to the original, um, sorry, scriptures and documents, um, we've discovered, or academics and historians have discovered, that verse 4 isn't in them. So the thing about the angel of the Lord going up, going up at appointed seasons into the pool and moving and stirring up the water, it's not there in the older versions. So it possibly could have been added over the years by maybe some well-meaning scribe who'd heard a story of an angel and a pool bubbling up and just inserted it into Scripture. Now, it doesn't take away the... the um, godly inspired nature of scripture at all it doesn't it either takes nor adds to this story in any significant way but i think it's important that we we know that and that as you read your bible just take notes of the footnotes and, and maybe look see if it's got italics and it just gives you a little bit of a wider scope and i think that's why it's really good that more translations come out, that we get more translations, because what's happening is, as we discover more of these ancient manuscripts, the more detailed and the more accurate our translations become. So if you're still stuck using the King James Version, bless your heart, but I suggest maybe you move on, just as something that has a little bit more detail and translation. Okay? So, uh, you'll notice that John... Um, like I said, he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't really need that, that bit of scripture. Uh, it doesn't add to it or change the story in any real way. So now I've explained that. Let me move on to, to what I want to talk about. And there's three, there's three main points that I think you discover in this story. And it certainly struck me as I was reading it. That number one, there's always excuses. Number one, there's, there's always excuses. Number two, there's always naysayers. There's always those whose favorite word is no. Everybody say no. No, good, you said it like me, brilliant. But number three, there's always hope. Can we all say hope? So we've gone from no to hope. That's exciting, brilliant. So we've got this miracle, haven't we, in this story? We've got this miracle that, that, that is quite detailed and um, I think it's almost like this kind of movie scene where you've got, you've got this camera like looking at this sky, like this sky you know, the skyline, this, this cityscape. And then in my mind, it kind of moves in and it, it zooms in closer to the city and then, and then starts moving in through the buildings and winding its way around and then begins to focus in on, on a crowd of people. And then from that crowd of people, it zooms in on just one man. And Jesus asks this one man who's at the side of this pool and he says, do you want to become well? Do you want to become well? And according to John, he doesn't just say yes. He doesn't just say yes. Anybody remember, now if you're of my generation, so kind of into my 40s, getting into my 40s, uh, and thereabouts. You may, you may have heard, you may have been around when it was on. Do you remember Grange Hill? On, I, well, I, I, don't know when, I don't know if it's still going. Is it still going, Grange Hill? Has it, it stopped? Nobody knows. Okay. Well, there was Grange Hill uh, many years ago, in the 80s, and there was this character in it called Zamo. Anybody remember Zamo? Okay, a couple of yeses. And what was Zamo famous for? What was the most famous storyline that came out of Zamo? Him just saying no to drugs. Just saying no, no, just saying no, that one. 
oh my goodness, blank face. Thank you for, yeah. Um, so he had this, it was famous for this, so his whole storyline, it was quite controversial because it was drugs and it was teaching kids that drugs, but it was good because drugs were bad and they released this Grange Hill sing, single and that's the Just Say No song. Um, and and it, it reminded me of that, did this, because it's like, why didn't the guy just say yes? Do you want to become well? Yes! So just like Zamo saying no to drugs, Jesus just said yes! Why didn't he? Why didn't he? Check out his attitude. He's got an attitude. Check it out. He says this, Sir, I have nobody when the water is moving to put me into the pool. But while I'm trying to come into it myself, somebody steps in ahead of me. A guy's got excuses already. Jesus is asked him a question that just needs a yes or a no answer. It's not an open-ended question. It's how do you feel about the possibility of you becoming well? He's not asking him that kind of question. He's saying, do you want to become well? I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that that particular part of the translation would be quite clear. Do you want to become well? He's not up for a discussion. He's not trying to work it out. But the guy just says, well, it's like this. I keep trying to get down there, but every time I start, somebody steps in ahead of me and I have to lay down again. I can't do it. Jesus said, that's not what I asked. Do you want to become well? And even after this guy is healed, we see that he's blaming others and he's making more excuses. You see, Jesus... Jesus likes to stir it up a little bit. I don't know if you've noticed that in the New Testament. Jesus likes to stir it up a little bit. I mean, one of the things, that I, one favorite story I love is where he says, you know, he says to, he says to us through scripture, um, you know, go that extra mile. Go that extra mile. You know, if, if somebody asks you to do something, go that extra mile. And we go, oh, that's a real positive thing. We're going to do more for them. We're, going to, we're just going to do that little bit extra. We're going to put that icing on the cake. We're going to put the decorations on the icing on the cake. We're going to go that little bit further. But what he was saying, the Roman, the Roman soldiers, the Roman citizens, could, they could ask anybody who wasn't a Roman citizen who was within their empire, they could say, carry my bags for me. But they weren't allowed to carry them for more than one mile. Now, the Romans are really into their laws and, and, and strictness and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and if, if the person carried them beyond them, no, 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 I'm going to keep on carrying my bag. I'm going to keep on carrying your bag, sorry. I'm going to keep on carrying it. The, the Roman citizen, the Roman soldier could get into bother because they carried it more than one mile. So when Jesus, when you hear it in Scripture, go that extra mile, it's quite a rebellious statement. It's pushing against authority. It's pushing against the establishment. But it's doing it in a gentle and wonderful way. Jesus likes to stir it up a little bit. And who else does he like to stir it up a little bit with? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Jewish leaders of the day. Sabbath was his favorite day of the week. He did a few things on the Sabbath. Now Jews they are around, the, around the temple, this guy's in, around this pool in this temple, says to the man, what are you doing carrying that mat on the Sabbath? What are you doing carrying that mat on the Sabbath? Because part of Sabbath, you weren't allowed to, to, to pick up your mat because it was considered work. 
and there was no working on the Sabbath. We, we know that, don't we? Now, what gets me about this... Um, well, actually, I'll move on to that. It's quite funny. The, the guy says, now, instead of saying, I'm carrying it because I can carry it, I was sitting paralyzed on it, and this guy has just healed me. You guys know me. I've been sat paralyzed for 38 years, and I'll gladly carry it. I don't care what anybody says. Instead of having a joyous, wonderful uh, uh, um, uh, answer to give them, he says this, I don't know. The man who healed me told me to pick it up. It's not my fault. Probably didn't say it as camp as that, but you get the idea. I don't know. Man who healed me told me to pick it up. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. And it's something else. If, if we shoot to verse 14, afterward, when Jesus found him in the temple, he said to him, See, you are well. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. Is Jesus saying, is he saying, that this guy did something to make himself paralysed. Is he? I'm asking, I don't know. Because we're actually assuming that he's paralysed. Because the passage in this translation said that he's suffering from something deep-seated and lingering. And other translations say he was suffering from an infirmity. Others say he was simply ill. The King James Version says he was impotent. Has a slightly different meaning these days as it did then. So there's something, I think, more here than just saying, and just saying he was an invalid. Because the first part of the scripture, if you look at it again, it uses words like crippled, blind, paralyzed, shriveled up. doesn't use it in connection with this guy. It just says it was something deep-seated and lingering. It could have been paralytic. You know, we don't know, but there's something more going on, I suggest. And I think actually, particularly when you read that verse 14 way a little bit further down, he's speaking into his attitude. Speaking into his attitude. This guy wasn't a believer. Jesus tells him to stop sinning or something worse will happen. This begs the question, what's worse than 38 years of chronic illness? 39 years? Maybe? Could we say uh, eternal hell and damnation would definitely be worse than 39 years of chronic illness? Could we say that? What's worse than dying? Dying and then not be able to spend eternity with Jesus? So Jesus tells him to sin no more. And most of us don't want to hear that bit. Not really. Because it sounds a bit judgmental. It, it, it makes us feel uncomfortable. Because suddenly, there's an issue with how we're living. There's an issue then with our attitudes. There's an issue then with our priorities. We don't really want to have that bit. We, we like the healing part. But we start to get a little bit uncomfortable with this stop sinning part because... We don't want to hear that we need to sort ourselves out and that we need to change. That, if you're honest with yourself, and I'm honest with myself, that's a bit uncomfortable because there's things I like doing. There's things I like watching. And when I find myself watching them, and I'm not talking about anything major, so don't start going down an avenue that isn't there. I'm talking about kind of you know, horror movies and, and those kind of movies that aren't really healthy for the mind. 
you know, stuff like supernatural stuff. It doesn't help. I mean, it's, it's entertainment, but it doesn't help. So if I'm, if I'm saying to you there are things that I shouldn't really be doing because it's not healthy for my attitude for who I am, then I'm pretty convinced that most of you will have that as well. There'll be some things or something within your life where you know you need to change it. You know you need to turn around because you're finding yourself day after day going back to Jesus and going, Jesus, forgive me, I've done that again. Well, just stop it. Just stop it. Work your way down that road of relationship with Jesus and just work your way out of that habit. Some things at the moment of baptism, the moment of salvation, stop. Like gambling. I, I used to gamble a lot. I used to go into the, the, the um, uh, fruit machine kind of shops, put loads of money in. The day I was saved, I've never had that feeling of wanting to do that again. So that's over 15 years now. Never wanted to do that again. Never felt like I wanted to, wanted to go back to that. But there are some things in each one of us that just takes a little bit more time, if we're being honest. Listen to this exchange. So the Jews kept saying to the man who had been healed, it is a Sabbath and you have no right to pick up your bed. It's not lawful. He answered them, the man who healed me and gave me back my strength, he himself said to me, pick up your bed and walk. And they asked him, who is the man who told you, pick up your bed and walk? Now you should find something amazing about that bit, that sentence. This guy, who they've known for over 38 years, unable to pick himself up well, unable to get himself healed, unable to get himself soiled, suffering from chronic illness. They don't pick up on the fact that he's now walking around happy and healthy and full of strength. They're saying, why are you carrying your mat? Huh? Huh? Think about that. Think about somebody you know, somebody who's suffering from something chronic, and all of a sudden they're not, and they're healthy, and they're well, and they're wonderful. Are you going to say, why are you wearing that jumper? Are you going to... You know, I... You can go, oh, that's amazing. But they didn't do that. They're more bothered about the laws. They're more bothered about keeping things going. They're more bothered about tradition. They're so obsessed with, with their laws and regulations that they completely miss the Saviour. They completely miss Him. So entrenched... Excuse me, getting excited. So entrenched in their positions and thinking that they couldn't see beyond their, their garden of tradition. They couldn't look over this, the hedge, so to speak, and see the freedom that lies beyond. We're a people of faith, not a people of religion. We're a people that will not put God in a box. We're a people who will give him freedom to do what he wants. We're a people who will not create methodology and doctrine we are people who will say, God, you are free to move and we love your scriptures and we're going to obey that. We're not going to chop and change with every wind that flows and blows. We're going to look at the Bible, we're going to see what that says and we're going to trust Jesus and his Holy Spirit to help us move forward. We're not religious. These guys couldn't see the healing. All they could see was the religion and the tradition. And that's important. Remember the first week of this series. Oh, by the way, I understand you had a great time last week. The youth were leading the service. Yeah. Good time. Yeah. I've seen some videos of poppies yeah. floating down. Real respectful, real honouring. 
of, of those people who have sacrificed their lives for us. Fantastic, so brilliant. Uh, unfortunately, because it, it was so kind of here and there and, and what have you, there's, there's nothing for me to kind of really listen to or watch. So I've just got to talk to you and, t and you, you tell me what it was like, but it was great. But let's remember back to the first week. Uh, and Pete Topley started our series going through this Gospel of John. And what did he talk about? He talked about water turning into wine. Remember, he, taught, he told us that story. Now, people missed this miracle that was happening right under their noses. The, the master of the feast knew that this wine was the best wine. Are you ringing any bells? Read further back in John if you don't know what I'm talking about. Further ahead in John. No, back. I didn't say that right. Um, they didn't know that Jesus had made this, this brilliant, this best wine from just plain old simple drinking water. The master of the feast didn't know where it come from, didn't know that Jesus had performed a miracle. And here, Jewish leaders didn't care about the miracle that this man who had been sat stuck on his mat for 38 years was now walking. They only cared that he was carrying the mat he used to sit on. It really is no pleasing some people. It really isn't. It'll never work. Here's what's wrong with that idea. I want to say to you folks, don't listen to naysayers. Don't listen to the cynics. And especially don't become one. Because you can always find someone to talk you out of something good. If you look hard enough and cast your net wide enough, you will find somebody who will be able to talk you out of doing something good. And don't listen to them. Naysayers will keep you imprisoned. They'll keep you from hope. They'll keep you from hope. And this is my third point. There's always hope. Always hope. In, in, in court, whenever there's a, a, a side that needs a person to say something, they can find an expert to, to help them close their case. And as we know, testimony is given back and forth from the defense to prosecutors, and this can last for days, weeks, months, and in real extreme cases, it can last for years. And, and this man, this guy who has been healed, his case has not been closed. But he's probably listened to the Jewish leaders saying this and that, negativity, naysaying, cynicism maybe, and after... 38 years, which is nearly 14,000 days. Every day like the last. What hope could he really have? Surrounded by those kind of people, suffering from the same illness, day in, day out. Maybe his thinking got to this. Maybe his thinking ended up like this. This only happens to other people. I'm not the kind that ever gets the healing. It could never happen to me. It's always someone else that gets the blessing. I deserve what I have. I don't deserve healing. When you surround yourself with people who are negative, who say no, who are cynical, who don't build you up, who don't encourage you, you end up thinking that way. You end up worrying day after day. And when that man, when that man woke up that morning, he could probably never have known. I probably wouldn't have believed it anyway. If somebody had said, today's your day, you're going to get healed, he'd have gone, yeah, I don't think so. He probably wouldn't have believed it. 
Yet this sign, this miracle, is a reminder to us that no person, no situation, nothing is too far gone. Nothing is beyond the reach of Jesus and the redemption that he brings. And just because we've tried it before on our own, doesn't mean that we can't do it when Christ is with us. Doesn't mean that we can't do it when Christ is with us. Doing it without Christ is like not having the right tools in your toolbox. I'll tell you a little story, just to give that real pragmatic example. Up until a number of months ago, and we had a dining room decorated, but prior to that, um, we used to have the, uh, the computer in the main, in, in this room, in the dining room, and, and the monitor was, was stuck on the wall. I'd got the monitor on the wall. Yeah, if you'd have lifted that monitor off the wall and looked at how I put up the bracket for the monitor, you would have seen a complete mess. An absolute mess. When, when, I, when, I, when I'd been installing this monitor, so it's dead easy. You, you've got a bracket, so it's a small monitor bracket, four holes, this couldn't be simpler. Four holes, you put the bracket where you want the monitor to be hung, you put a pencil mark in each hole, you remove the bracket and you drill. It's simple that, isn't it? No, it's not. No, it's not. Right, that's one hole wrecked. Okay, well, maybe we can hang it with three. You see, nobody told me that our, our, the walls of our house are full with kryptonite. <laughs> nobody told me that. And not being a DIY kind of guy, I didn't know that kryptonite, aka breeze blocks, need a certain kind of drill bit. They need a certain kind of tool to get the drill in the hole. And, and ultimately, that monitor was hung there for months and months with just one hole and one screw. The other three just did not line up whatsoever. <laughs> now, when I discovered, after talking to somebody who knows, Mr. Pete Gray, that you need masonry bits to drill into masonry, um, I went mad. You can stop me drilling holes in our house. <laughs> and I discovered that you can buy packets of, of, of screws and the, what do they call the bits they go in? Raw plugs. Raw plugs, thank you, see. <laughs> Still not learned. Raw plugs, you can buy them so that, so that they tell you what drill size bit to use. Uh, for years I was measuring the end of the screw up with the end of the drilling. Yeah, it looks about right. So I was, ooh, yeah, that picture's up. That picture's been gathering dust on the floor next to the wall for a number of years. It's now up on the wall. The speakers are up on the wall. And I've probably drilled a few other holes just in case we've got something else to hang on. <laughs> amazing what you can do when you've got the right tools for the job, isn't it? Absolutely, how easy things suddenly become. And this is what it's like when we have Christ with us when we want to reach people, when we want, when we want to talk to people, when we want to bring our contribution, when we've got Christ with us, it becomes so much easier than relying on our own strength and our own knowledge. 
this miracle, this miracle, and we'll hear about some others in the coming weeks as well, um, verifies that Christ is all that we need. As a believer, if you're a believer here this morning, Christ is all that you need. Everything else is just relying on human stuff. Christ is all we need. He's the man who made this guy at the side of the pool well. It wasn't some angel. It wasn't the water. It wasn't anyone who could carry the man into the water. Make no mistake, this was Jesus who healed him. Jesus can take a trouble-filled, excuse-filled, procrastinated life and he can make it whole and deeply purposeful. He can make it whole and deeply purposeful. So some of you, a lot of you guys I know here this, this morning, some of you I don't know. But I want Jesus to be asking you these questions afresh this morning. Do you feel whole? And do you have a purpose? Do you feel whole? And do you have a purpose? Like this man in the Gospel of John, some of us may have woken up this morning and not realised that today was going to be a day where we hear Jesus ask us these questions afresh. A day that when it dawns on maybe some of us, that there are things that we need to change. A day that maybe for some of us, we didn't know who Jesus really was. A day that you want to accept him and receive him as your Lord and Saviour for the very first time. You didn't know. Because sometimes, we, well, a lot of the time, we just stand in our own way. We have the excuses. We know there are naysayers in our lives and sometimes we're probably the biggest one. We can't do that. We can't do this. We can't do the other. And here, there are, here are the legitimate reasons why. Maybe part of the reason we don't allow Jesus to make us fully whole is explained by this, this quote from um, St. Augustine of Hippo. Have a look on Wikipedia if you want to find out who he is. An early church father. Some things he said are a bit off the wall. Some things are amazing. This thing is amazing. The life to which we're accustomed holds us more than the life we long for. The life to which we're accustomed holds us more than the life we long for. What does that mean? Well, Augustine is saying that in the life that we have, as bad as it may be, at least we know what to expect. And that's why a man or a woman stays in an abusive relationship. That's why when we stay doing a job that sucks day after day after day, thinking we couldn't do any better. That's why when we expect the same things, we get the same things. That's why we don't immediately say yes when Jesus asks, do you want to be made whole? That's why we make excuses. Who knows what will happen if we totally surrender our lives to Christ? In every way and in every detail, who knows what will happen? And my prayer is that for each and every one of us, and if you're not a believer this morning, my prayer is that you will, you, will, you will receive Jesus. And for those who, who have received Jesus, my prayer 
is that you begin to give every bit of your life to him. And that's a challenge to me, as well as it is to each and every one of you. Because there are bits that we just want to keep to ourselves. So that's a challenge. And what, how can you work that out? You can work it out through a few things. Just pray with him every day. Talk to your father every day. Talk to his son every day. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, to give you wisdom every day. It doesn't have to be long, it can be short. Just do it every day. Read his word, for goodness sake. Read his word. See what it says. Learn from it. Pick it up at least once a day. And you'll receive some amazing revelations, I can assure you. Up until this year, I'd never read the Bible all the way through. Who's read the Bible all the way through? I mean, properly. Who's read it all the way through? And this isn't a guilt trip. It's just, I'm just curious. One, two. I'm completely honest. Brilliant that you've been really honest. I, until this year, I hadn't. I am now on day 318 or something like that now. I, get, I set myself at the beginning of the year, I'm going to do this Bible in one year thing. And there are lots of them out there. And every day I've read Old Testament, either a psalm or a proverb, and the New Testament. And I'm so close to, to my goal, to finishing reading the Bible. And I've not got stuck on any bits. Some bits have intrigued me, but I've just, I've got, I've, I want to get through this. I want to do it. And, I, and it, isn't a, it isn't a hard work. It's because I know that as I read, it's, it's putting something within me. That even though I... I I may not remember it. At some point in the future, I may be able to access it by the Spirit. So maybe in the coming year, set yourself that target. January the 1st, begin again. Read the Scriptures. Because honestly, your life will be so much better for it. Because remember that whatever God asks us to do, He provides us with the tools to complete it. Because through Christ, we find these things. We find that we can do what we've always failed to do. We can be what we always thought we never could be. We can master that which has constantly baffled us, like drilling. We can love like we never thought we could love. We can forgive those that we never thought we'd be able to forgive. And that includes ourselves. None of you that are here this morning, or maybe listening, watching on the podcast, later are so far away that Jesus can't reach you not one of you none of you are a hopeless case maybe it's been 38 years for you and I'm talking now to the guys who watch the podcast and listen to it later maybe it's been 38 years for you maybe it's been 100 years none of you have done so much wrong that Christ can't redeem you and can't save you Jesus said to this guy, take up your mat and walk. And that guy could never have known he could walk if he hadn't taken a step. It says, doesn't it, that immediately the strength came back to him. So he heard, take up your mat and walk. And as he began to lift himself up off the floor, strength returned to his body and he walked. But as Jesus was saying those words, that must have been quite difficult to process, knowing how tired he was. Whatever you're lacking, Jesus can make you whole.
So Jesus is asking you today, do you want to be made whole? Can we all close our eyes? We all bow our heads. I'm going to pray a prayer, sometimes called a, a salvation prayer. It's not a, it's not a magic spell. It's just one way that we can audibly say something that reflects what's in our heart. So if you're not a believer this morning, I want you to be able, I want you to say this with me if you're ready to accept Jesus as your, your friend and your saviour and your Lord. And for everybody else, could we say it with me as well, even if you have a relationship with Jesus, so that if a person doesn't have a relationship with him, they can say it out loud. So it may seem a bit odd, but Jesus is cool like that. He'll know what we mean in our hearts. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's get, and let's say it together. Say it loud with me if you wouldn't mind. Jesus, I am sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Now just take a few moments and ask for forgiveness for anything in particular. So for those of us who do believe, ask for forgiveness for anything in particular that is on your mind this morning. Remember, every eye closed, every head bowed. When you thought of that, and say this, please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be Lord of my life forever. Amen. Keep your eyes closed, keep your head bowed. Anybody who prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, can you just raise your hand in the air? If that has made a difference in your life, that is fantastic. And I'd be able to, I want to have a coffee with you afterwards. We have tea and coffee. And let me just chat to you and talk with you. Can we just give God praise? Just give him a clap. Just say thank you to him. Thank you for those lives. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.